0: As difficult as it is to recruit employees in rural health environments, especially in the era of COVID, it can be even tougher to recruit leaders. Cultivating talent that's already in the organization, however, retains the team's institutional knowledge, recognizes highly engaged staff, and supports career growth for the long term. So, how do rural hospitals cultivate leaders growing their own team in the process?
1: With thoughtful mentorship, succession planning, and a commitment to first look for new leaders within our team. I'm Rachel Lott. And I'm JJ Hodshire,
0: And this is Rural Health Rising.
1: Welcome to episode 38 of Rural Health Rising. I'm JJ Hodshire, president and chief executive officer of Hillsdale Hospital.
0: And I'm Rachel Lott, director of marketing and development.
1: So last week we talked about a unique educational program uh, to help rural healthcare organizations, quote unquote, grow their own. And I think it was a phenomenal conversation to learn about what's happening in rural areas throughout this country. And mm-hmm. this particular place was growing uh, nurse practitioners and mid-levels um, in, in New York. Right. For one of the places. And um, certainly that's not a new concept to us here at Hillsdale. And we'll talk a little bit about that. But today we are talking about growing our own here at Hillsdale Hospital from the front line to the C-suite. And I'm very excited to be able to share with a guest today. And I can't wait for our audience to hear who this is.
0: That's right. We are talking with a leader in our organization who is stepping into a new role, but is certainly not new to us, our team, or our patients.
1: Not at all, Rachel. Our guest today is Megan Campbell. Uh, She is the newly appointed chief nursing officer for Hillsdale Hospital. So for your first time on Rural Health Rising, not only as a member of the staff, but also as our chief nursing officer, welcome to Rural Health Rising.
0: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here.
1: We are excited to have you.
0: Megan, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you ended up here at Hillsdale Hospital? Absolutely. Um, So
2: growing up, I was one of 10 children. Really? I did not know that. I didn't either. She's
1: out-childrened me. We're one of seven.
2: I'm one of four, so I'm Uh, nowhere close to you guys. I guess I win. I guess
1: Megan and I have a lot in common, then we'll be talking.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so my family moved around a lot. Um, only ever lived anywhere for about two years at a time until um, I got to high school. I graduated from Renzi High School, um, and then I ended up going for my associate degree in nursing um, at Northwest State Community College in Archbold, Ohio. Um, I am married. I've been married for fifteen years now. Um, I have four beautiful
1: children. Very uh, beautiful, by the way. I had the chance to see and a nationally known wrestler in the family i believe
2: i do oh yeah yes you yeah. do impressive we
1: followed his uh, career as my son was in wrestling and yeah. so your son was often the star of the show little guy at one time and he was just out there just absolutely doing all these moves i remember him but uh, obviously a very very beautiful family for sure Talent
0: thank clearly you. runs in the blood
1: yes it does <laughs>
2: oh thank you um So yeah, so I went, um, been married for 15 years. I have four, um, four children. I live not in Hillsdale, but near Hillsdale. Um, and I feel very grateful to have spent the last 12 years here at Hillsdale, um, because I have been afforded the opportunity to grow as a nurse and as a leader. Um, I've been given opportunities to return, um, I got to go for my bachelor's degree, um, which I received through Spring Arbor University. Um, just, it's been a wonderful experience. It's like a family here um, and one that wants to see me succeed, which I'm very grateful for.
1: You know, it's uh, often been said to me, you know, We I've been here 11 years now. And uh, I've had many opportunities to cross pathways, and you've really risen through the ranks uh, in a very short time, um, but uh, certainly without notice, uh, certainly not without notice, because uh, your talent was first introduced to us when you were doing some kind of charge nurse responsibilities, uh, and then you moved to a manager. And you did that remarkably well. And then now it uh, made it very easy for me to make you the chief nursing officer here, even though, you know, plenty of applicants that were seeking the position, it only made sense, you know, to, to cultivate the talent that we have with Megan and to see that come to fruition. Um, I'm excited for what the future is going to bring us. I really am.
2: I am too. I I, um, I love the passion that I think our leadership team here has and the vision and the drive. Um, we all see or share the mission of making sure we keep this hospital in our community so that we can serve the people that we love. And um, I, I see only great things for us in the future.
1: Absolutely. You just have to promise me one thing. Unlike last week, you can't be here until midnight. Okay. I know that was a rough, <laughs> a rough time for you, but you <laughs> gotta, you just have to scale back just a little bit. Okay, Megan. All right. Deal. So, <laughs> so now that we've established who you are and what you do, let's start with the why. Now we do this on every episode. So we get to know our guests just a little bit better. So Megan, what is your why? What motivates you? What gets you up out of bed in the morning?
2: Sure. Um, so, I talked before a little bit about um, how I have moved around a lot, and we only ever lived anywhere for about two years at a time. Um, so, I have really appreciated having a sense of community. Um, I like serving my community. Um, I like that my children are growing up in a community where. They are supported and, you know, I, I know they're safe um, and I know that we have the resources that we need to take care of them. So I feel that I'm able to contribute to that both as a nurse and as a leader, um, making sure that this hospital stays functional so we can continue to do those things. Um, my my nurses and my um, nursing assistants are the very best. I might be a little partial, but I think we've got an amazing team here, um, and they are for sure my why. They are the reason that I went into leadership. When I graduated, I was certain I was never going back to school because why would anybody want to <laughs> be in leadership when why? you could take care of patients, which I do love and I sure. do miss.
1: But, <laughs> and you're still doing. Yeah, by true, the way. right?
2: True. <laughs> true. Never ends. <laughs> but. Um, When you see how hard your fellow nurses are working, I have that desire to make their lives a little bit better. And what can I do to advocate for them and make sure that they have what they need to give our patients what they need. Um, so that is a very big driving force for why I do what I do. And then obviously um, my family, uh, I need to be able to support them. So there, there's that. <laughs> there's that.
0: <laughs> but, that and the alarm clock in the morning, oh, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. The
1: opportunity clock, right? <laughs> That's right. Oh,
0: I like that. I've <laughs> cannot never heard alarm that
1: alarm us in life. It's got to give us the opportunity to wake up.
0: Oh, yeah. opportunity clock. See, I'm
1: we're going to use that. Down. Write that down. <laughs> but, make a note. Make a note.
2: Um, but yeah, I like being able to set um, a good example for them of what hard work gets you, um, and and what's important in life, which is you know giving back and taking care of of people and having passion and drive and doing what's important. So
1: you know, one of the aspects that you hit on was coming back. You know, and part what what our episodes really focus on in rural health rising or the the rural aspect of healthcare, uh, and you came back. To a rural community. Now you could have went anywhere, right? True. You could have gone to big cities, and you chose to come back to this environment. I think what's important for our listeners to hear is, if you're considering changing careers, you're considering nursing, you're considering you're listening as you're getting ready to graduate. Um, there is some benefits of coming to a rural community. The family aspect, the safety and security, those are all very important reasons. The other issue that Megan, I think, and we'll probably get into it later in the show, is. The diversity that you get in nursing when you're in a small hospital. It's kind of like the general surgeon who's not just doing one task. He's doing everything. You know, they they say, and as crude as it may sound from butts to guts, you know, we do it all. And that's really, there's some truth in that. So it's remarkable that you came back to a rural community. It's remarkable that you stayed here and that you're ready to lead our team. So that's an important why. And I thank you for sharing it.
0: And if we just take that back one more step, um, Megan, I want to hear a little bit about what got you interested in nursing in the first place, you know, before you even went to school or started your career. What made you choose this profession? Sure.
2: It's... um it's not the greatest story, if I'm being completely honest. I know uh, in an interview, I never want to hear somebody say, oh, I took it for the hours. I took it for the money. <laughs> but I was uh, I was a young mom, and I, uh, I, my dream was to be a writer, but that doesn't really pay the bills when you're mm-hmm. starting out. So I was trying to <laughs> look for a career that um, was a little more stable, and somebody suggested nursing, and I didn't have a ton of experience with it. So, um You know, I was kind of toying with the idea. And then when I actually went to have my son, I had two very different nurses that um, deeply impacted me. And one was not very nice. She Mm -hmm. was very judgmental because Mm -hmm. of my age. No Um, way. She, you know, she did not respect my wishes. She, she went against, you know, what I had asked her to do and she was just, she just wasn't nice. So, uh, I had a very rough night my first night because of all of that. And Mm -hmm. then the next day, the next nurse came in and she just loved on me and she made me feel like you can, I could do it. Mm -hmm. I was supported. She was going to be there to make sure I, I was successful and I could go home and take care of this baby. Mm Um, and that was the moment where I was like, "Nurses make all the difference." Mm-hmm. Excellent. Point. Yeah, they. I mean, they totally change the course of your hospital stay. Um, and I wanted to be that person for somebody because patients come in and they're scared. Whether they're having a baby, uh, whether they're you know here with COVID or pneumonia or surgery, they're scared. Mm-hmm. And having that nurse who can be there to educate them and to support them, and sometimes just to sit and hold their hand or listen. I wanted to be that nurse for them. So that was kind of what, when I first started, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but that was what really drove it home. Like, I, that's what I want to be. I want to be that for somebody.
1: You know, and many times we forget, Rachel and Megan, to a certain extent, where when we're serving our patients and we've had a bad day, this is something you've remembered for 15 years. Yeah. It is so important for us mm-hmm. to be on point every day. And we have a slogan, every patient, every time, always. And I think that is so important. To your point, you know, you had a situation, thank God you got the second nurse the second day, <laughs> yeah, because mm-hmm. that could have been an ugly order if she would have been the first nurse that you had, and then the bad nurse been the second nurse. But it is very powerful about what we can see in healthcare, And it also impacts the healing in our mentality, and you probably left there that second day after that wonderful nurse thinking, I got this, I'm empowered. And the important role that nurses play, I think, is just so critical.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think it's funny that you said it wasn't the greatest story because I had chills when you were talking about that. Oh, so well, that you. I think that's a very powerful story because it clearly demonstrates – the why for so many nurses. And it's like you said, to be that person that makes sure the patient has the best experience because nurses are the backbone of a hospital and of, uh, you know, of a patient's experience.
1: That's right. So, okay, Macon, you go to school, you do your clinicals, you're at another hospital somewhere, you pass all those terrible, tough exams, you get all your certifications in place. Um, Question is, uh, how do you decide on what to do next? Because there are many different Levels of healthcare, many different fields, many different specialties, many different hospitals from doctors' offices. So you yourself didn't come to Hillsdale right away, though, did you?
2: No, I did not. I was living in Ohio at the time, and uh, you know, right out of nursing school, I had lots of dreams for what I was going to do, which were quickly shut down based on availability and the fact <laughs> that they, everybody wants you to have experience. So, oh, yes, um, I was very passionate about OB um, based on my my experience in wanting to be that nurse. Mm -hmm. So that's what I wanted. Um, I was never, ever going to work in a long-term care facility, and I was never, ever going to work on MedSearch. So my (laughs) very first job was in a long-term care facility. Um, I was there for about six months, and then I had a friend who worked here um, who was like, you have got to come here. This is such a great place to be. Um, We have such a wonderful team. You would love it, and they would love you. And I... Uh, I debated because I, I was giving up a full-time job to come here casually. It's oh, wow. oh, um,
1: a leap of so faith. It was. Mm-hmm. It
2: really was. Um, <laughs> with 27
1: children or how many at that time? Only, only, only o- one at only one time. Only one at the time. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's a leap of faith, though.
2: Yeah, it you know, was. To do it, was a, it was a really tough decision. Yeah. Um, the best one I think I've ever made. I, I could not be happier with my decision, but I it was a agree. tough decision at the time. I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, so I came and took a med surge position, which you know I also thought I would never do, and <laughs> loved it. Like it, you know, I feel like sometimes med surge uh, isn't respected like it. It's should be. It's a bad be. rap sometimes, it does. doesn't it? I it know does. that. It But does. we we get everything on med surge. I've taken care of OB patients on med surge. Um, we have you know patients who have their surgeries. We have huh? chest pains. T- Patients who are having heart, active heart attacks that we have to fly out from our floor. We get to see everything. You see it all. You do. Mm -hmm. And you learn time management and you learn. Critical thinking and assessment, and I just kind—you of, know—I just fell in love with it. Um, and it also gave me the opportunity to float to other departments, which I also enjoyed. I like to—I like to learn new things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had the opportunity to work in our step-down unit and our critical care unit. I did get my opportunity to work over in OB. Um, ER, I got to do a little bit of everything, which I really liked. Um, it made me well-rounded, and like JJ mentioned earlier, you you build your skills when you, sure do, when you get the opportunity to try different things. So, um, I loved that. And after um, a couple years, I was uh, given the opportunity to start floating to supervision. So that's where I kind of got my first taste of leadership, Um, and I would just fill in here and there as they needed me uh, until a full-time position opened up, and I worked uh, full-time in supervision for a while. I um, took a charge nurse position um, working with our clinical nurse manager for a med surgeon ICU, which um, I really enjoyed. But I went back to school to get my bachelor's and um, then found out shortly after I was pregnant again and uh, and thought, you maybe I need something that will be a little more flexible for my schedule. So I went to infection control and I did that for a short period. Um, It did not take long to realize that, you know, Med med surge is my home, med mm-hmm. surge is my passion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I really miss that acute care setting. And I missed I missed my nurses. I missed our patients. I, mm-hmm. I just missed it. Um but I was making the best of, you know, an opportunity to learn something new. It was, it was fun. I, lo- I like learning yeah. new things. So I was making the best of it. Um when I was approached by um, the new interim CNO at that time, uh, she was putting together her leadership team, and she asked if I would come be the clinical manager of our med-surgeon CCU. And um, it was a tough decision because it was a big a big job when you Huge. were going to school and getting ready to have a baby. Um, Huge. But I, I just like I said, it, it's my passion. It's what I love, and I missed it. And I felt like I couldn't, I couldn't pass up that opportunity. So I went back and I worked um, as the clinical manager um, of Med surgeon ICU. Uh, at that time, we had the joint replacement unit. Um, so I had those three three departments underneath me. Um, I did that for four years. Um, I had some additional responsibilities added to me and a title change. Um, I worked as the director of inpatient services, so I also managed our house supervisors. Um, And I feel like in all of that, I was able to grow. Um, I've learned a lot about myself. I've learned a lot about how to be a good leader through seeing and observing all of the other wonderful leaders that we have here. Um, and, and I've learned a lot, which I think has helped get me where I am today.
1: You know, in all the careers I've ever worked in, I, I firmly believe that growing your own and promoting from within is two of the most critical things that a leader should do. They always don't do it. Uh, sometimes leaders feel, well, we have to bring in outside talent all the time in order to have a different perspective. And I don't always necessarily believe in that. I believe at some positions and at some times and points It's important to do that. But uh, when you see top talent, I think it's so important. And so kind of the focus of what we talk about on Rural Health Rising is, you know, those are the opportunities that exist in small rural hospitals. And some people don't rise to the top, and there's a huge gap there. We've been blessed, I believe, at this hospital and uh, several of the positions. uh, Myself, uh, having been a benefactor of having been promoted from within in a lot of my careers, um, know the value of what that means. We know the organization we know the institution. So, you know, I'm going to invite some opportunity for feedback here with you, Megan, that will hopefully help um, us, will help other hospitals uh, as they're considering how to grow their own talent and are looking to put some strategy into that effort. Um, so in your career here, what could we as an organization have done more or done better to help prepare you for this role?
2: Um, th- you know, that's kind of a tough question. I think that the thing that would have helped me the most would be um, perhaps a focus on retention, employee retention, Uh, that when you have a very lean structure, which is required in a rural
1: health setting. Sadly, mm -hmm. right? Yeah.
2: um, it, It only takes one person leaving to completely upset things sometimes. So a focus on, um, employee engagement and retention and maybe a more proactive approach to, like, making sure managers feel supported, um, which I know we're, we're working on now, looking at mm-hmm. more flexibility and how can we make sure our managers' needs are getting met. There was a little bit of an expect- expectation at one point um, that because we're, you know, a lean hospital, you've got to give – 110% of yourself to this place all the time mm-hmm. which I think all of us have that drive and desire to do our very best always but you you have we have families we have kids and significant others and sometimes you just need a break and making sure that your managers know that's okay it's okay to take a day off it's okay to go home on time you don't have to be here until 10 o'clock every night for someone to think you're doing your job. Um, and I think I have seen that change, and it's appreciated, I think, by by all of leadership. I think it's a, it's a, a good change, and we're moving in the right direction in that
1: aspect. You, you know, Megan, leader burnout is the one—and the, the topic that we hear, conferences, news articles— periodicals and in healthcare magazines is about how do you how do you conquer leader burnout and i think we're trying some initiatives and some strategies here but you are absolutely correct i mean my wife as you know was a chief nursing officer at a small rural hospital and she uh you know she would work literally 70 80 hours a week and there's no joke about that and i watched you know top talent i watched the fire and passion in her eyes grow dim at times because it's so overwhelming especially when you have this expectation that giving 110 is just not enough. You got to give 125. We have to recognize as leaders, if you're listening today and you're a CEO, I'm going to tell you from personal experience, having lived it both at the home side and here at the organization, you cannot do this to your leaders. Your leaders need balance. They need the opportunity to refresh and recharge and they need opportunities to spend with their family and to have that relationship with their family because leaders will walk away regardless of how much we pay them. They will walk away to save their family or to save their marriage, which is the right thing to do. So, you know, the new innovative way is how do we engage leaders, keep them engaged, yet keep them energized and still get the work done? Because that's a huge balance. And we're trying that here at Hillsdale. We're we're introducing several different models. You rolled out, um, the chief nursing officer before you rolled out just recently, uh, where you're allowing certain managers in the clinical setting to work nine out of 10 days. Correct. and i think that gives them you know that that extra weekend with three days i think that's been an effective model that we look at
2: yes it has i know i just um, interviewed our new uh, clinical nurse manager who will be replacing my my old role and that was a big deciding factor for her she also has three children that need to go to the dentist and have doctors appointments and just having that one day every two weeks to be able to to make sure your house gets cleaned, even to come home at eight o'clock at night and your house is a disaster and laundry's not done, it's it's so stressful. So to have have just one one day every couple of weeks where you can catch up is huge, mm-hmm. I think, for managers.
1: Well, yeah. we have to do it, right? Because if not, we will not have a generation of leaders that will want to rise up to it. I don't know mm-hmm. how many countless people have come to me uh, in years past and said, "If that's what leadership's about, I can not do it." I love to be a leader there, but, you know, the pay isn't that great compared to all the hours I'm going to be expected to work. So we have to flip that. and We have to change it. So I really appreciate your honesty and your feedback today regarding that. And hopefully, if as our CEOs and uh, CEOs are listening to this podcast, that we learn new ways that we can retool this. And part of that is the work structure itself. And, you know, I can speak here to Rachel to, to my side. Uh, we had to retool this different in order to have Rachel here. Um, And I've always, you know, previous to my mindset change, it was always got to be at the workplace, 40 hours minimum guaranteed in the office, you know, meeting the people, pressing the flesh. But at the end of the day, there's so much work that can be done remotely. And we learned that Mm -hmm. during COVID um, that I, as a leader, and I would encourage other leaders listening, you've got to look at this differently. And it's not popular maybe from old school thought of having them all here. You've got to really be able to balance this. And the way that people do that is if they feel they have autonomy to get a lot more done at home, still working, still productive. They can't do crazy things. They have to be working. Um, You know, that's actually a very positive benefit for employees. And I'll let you speak to that, Rachel.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, I think part of of your point, Megan, there has been a glorification of this idea of first in, last out, right? How many times have you heard someone say that, oh, I was working hard and I was paying my dues and I was the first in and the last out, which, you know, there are times where that may be appropriate, but that's a lot of pressure for people to put on themselves, especially in this kind of environment. And, you know, when we were talking to your new clinical manager the other day, um, she said work-life balance. And I said, You know, I've heard it said that it's more of a healthy integration because there's really no way to truly balance everything. You're never 50-50 on uh, all of those things. So you have to integrate those things together. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, being able to have some time to work at home, it actually allows me to get a lot more done that often when I'm here, things pop up and I can get distracted from some of those bigger tasks. And especially from a leadership perspective, the ability to set aside time to be strategic about the work that you're doing can be very difficult in this kind of environment. So having some some ways to to try and create that time and protect that time really can make a big difference in the long run because we do sometimes, and especially since COVID, I would say, um, and I don't necessarily think that I've done a great job of this myself, but I've had more opportunity to do it because of that flexibility. But we have been in kind of a mindset of like just, our heads down and we just have to keep going and keep going and keep going and kind of been in survival mode. Um, but, you know, as we've seen with our hospital and with the growth strategy, JJ, that you've been working on aggressively, we can't just do that because long-term sustainability for our hospitals depends on so much more. And so for our leaders to be part of moving that vision forward, um, having strategies like that to help with that integration, I think makes all the difference. Absolutely. So, Megan, if we have other nurses who are listening today, they're inspired by your story. Maybe they're brand new nurses. Maybe they're uh, about to become a nurse. Maybe they're finishing up school, things like that. Or maybe they've been in nursing for a while and they're thinking that they're ready for a leadership role and want to take that next step. Um, What kind of feedback or advice would you give those folks out there so they can grow in their leadership skills? And also, how do they make their organization aware of their desire to step up in the future?
2: Um, I think the biggest thing is to speak up, let your manager know what your goals are and what your interests are. Um, I know I hear people say, well, you know, I can't believe that person is going to be the supervisor. They've (laughs) only been a nurse for two years. Well, you never told me you wanted to do that. I didn't (laughs) know that. I had no idea. So if you have a a desire to, to try something, let, some, you know, let the right people know. Um, if you're not sure what you want to do, shadow. Take a day and say, hey, can I come in on my day off and just see what it is that you do? If you don't feel ready for a formal leadership role, there are lots of ways you can be a leader in your organization um, that will help you grow as a nurse or um, as an employee. And, and, get you to the place where maybe someday you are ready for a, you know, an, a formal leadership role. Maybe you'll be perfectly content to be a leader within your department. You can head committees. You can, you know, be a preceptor. You can say, what projects do you need me to work on? I I really have a passion for bedside shift report, and I want to make sure that we're doing that 100% of the time. So I would like to work on that. What, you know, what can I do for you? Um and I think the biggest thing is just to have passion and to care about what you're doing. Uh, it's really hard to be a leader if you don't care. It's it's mm-hmm. a hard job. It's it a really hard job, especially at a rural hospital um, where you you feel like you're, you know, things are working against you sometimes. Every day. <laughs> right. So, the weight of the uh, world. <laughs> it, it really does feel that way sometimes. So I think you have to It can't just be a job for you. It can't just be a paycheck. I want to be in management because it pays well, because I, some days it it doesn't feel worth it It if you don't care about why, why you're here, if you don't have that passion and that drive. So I think that, you know, that's really important too, is to, to have a a good understanding of yourself and what motivates you and, and why you do what you do, because that's, what's going to get you through those really hard days.
1: So Megan, I'm going to put you on the spot.
2: Oh dear. (laughs)
1: Um, COVID's been tough. Yes, it has. You've lived it as a leader. You've worked it on the floor while you're a leader. Um, We've been through some of the most horrific times, probably even of your career, uh, that you have faced. And just today, as nurses are listening, we know they do, to this podcast, what encouragement can you give nurses who are faced now with, we just don't, there's uncertainty, right? There's a national mandate that we don't know much about that's come down from the president Uh, There's a lot of confusion about what that means and what it, but you know, if someone's just teetering on the edge today of making that decision, um, what encouragement could you give them today?
2: Um, I think the biggest thing is, is communication. You've got to, don't just bail because you're stressed. Don't just bail because you don't know what's coming. You're scared and you're not sure, or I can't do one more day of this. I'm just so tired. You have to let The right people know how you're feeling so those things can get addressed. I know for myself and I know for everyone here how much we care about our employees and that we Mm -hmm. always have a desire to do what's best. And in order to do that, we need to know what's going on. Um, And we need honest feedback and we want honest feedback. Um, We did our employee engagement survey and some of it was kind of rough to hear because we well, did it right after, yeah. you know, we had to mandate shifts for our nurses tough, because yeah. our COVID numbers were so high and the results weren't great. But I said, I how am I going to do better? How am I going to better serve you if nobody ever tells me where I'm falling short? I want to know those things. Mm-hmm. So speak up and let, let your leader know, this is what I'm scared about. This is what I'm worried about. I am so burnt out. I don't I'm feeling like I can't do it anymore, so that they have the opportunity mm-hmm. to support you and to mm-hmm. get you through that. So it's I think a critical time. Yeah, communication's it's a critical time. Big.
1: Communicate, talk to talk to your management, talk to your CNO, talk to your human resources. It's very important. Uh, and because I think at the heart of this, nurses didn't enter this primarily speaking, for the good money, right? I Correct. mean It looks attractive, but at the end of the day, there's a passion. There's a desire to serve. absolutely, And regardless of what the circumstances are around us, we're serving. And you've served in a role where in the heart of COVID, right in the middle of it all, uh, you've watched people come back from a very bad state physically and reunite with families. We've had the walk of healing. Remember that? Yes. We've seen that's a wonderful story. If our nurses and healthcare people were not there to take care of them, imagine the horrible outcomes. Exactly. Families not reunited with loved ones individuals not getting the care because hospitals can't staff and uh, I would just encourage our listeners today if you're making those tough decisions you know and you're you're on the sidelines and you're watching all this and you're on the fence and you just don't know talk communicate share your concerns listen don't watch the internet right Rachel <laughs> that stuff is just it's so negative
0: It's a wild wonderful and ugly place it the is. internet <laughs> yeah, say all that together
1: but truly reflect on why did I enter nursing and whether it's any level it can be nursing but you know some of the greatest impact my mom has ever had uh, when she's at this hospital and she has uh, you know COPD and some other things that bring her back often but it's sad to say it's not the doctors it's not the nurse, it's the environmental services workers
2: I knew knew you were going to say that because we hear that from a lot of our patients. Our environmental services group is
1: amazing. Dietary, walking in with the meals, having conversations. Yes. So healthcare, let's not just think about it as, oh, well, it's those nurses and doctors. Healthcare is is wide-reaching to a lot of disciplines. Environmental services, you're talking about dietary, purchasing, all these pharmacists, people that touch the lives— the CNAs, you know how important they are. Certified nursing assistants, oh, absolutely, critical to delivering care. Uh, CENAs are really the backbone in most departments. It uh, truly of providing yes. that care on that regular basis. So, what we know is, if you're listening today and you're struggling. Uh, Please understand that there is help through conversation and communication. You entered this field because you had passion. Don't give that passion up in the heat of a moment or in decisions that are made in silos without your consent. Talk to your administration. Talk to your leaders. Talk it through, but think about those patients. I think that is so, so important. So, Megan, once again, thanks so much for joining us today. We've loved having you on the program. It's been a fun time learning a little bit more about you, things I didn't know. One of ten. What number are you in ten?
0: I'm number one.
1: (sighs) That
0: makes a lot of sense.
1: I'm number seven out of seven. Does that make sense, Rachel? Hey, now, come on! I'm the guy, the loudest kid in the room. Got to be heard. I get it all right. So it's it's been great to learn a little bit more about you, and uh, we look forward to your long tenure here as our chief chief nursing officer.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: All right, Megan. Before we close, we like to do a fun segment with each of our guests. So, we want to know what is your most unique. Rural experience or one of your favorite memories that is unique to rural life?
2: Um this was uh this is a tough one. I had to think on this for a minute, but I think my favorite thing about rural life is the winter, which I know everybody <laughs> the winter, <laughs> <that's> the, <worst laughs> the, part the rural for me. winter here, like right in now. Michigan, like, like in rural Michigan, Michigan or like rural I Texas love winter. Winter here. It's winter here. On my drive in, um, on the road, there are trees on both sides of the road, and when they are covered in snow, it is the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. The sun is shining, it's so pretty, it's my favorite. Um, but just to add a fun little rural okay. to it, because right. I mean, it is Michigan, you're scaring me a little bit. Okay, um, <laughs> you know, it, it does present its own obstacles. There are times that we have to, I've had to go pick our employees up so that they can make it into work, mm-hmm. uh, and my. My mom mobile, my little minivan, <laughs> trucking down country roads. Oh, yeah. We've had pay- or employees ride their snowmobiles and their four-wheelers and drive in their own snow plows. And oh, yeah. um, I've had to stay, you know, at the hospital on occasion because the weather was bad and I needed to make sure I'd be here for my shift. So um, I think there's a lot of obstacles you face in the winter, but it's still worth it because it's oh. so beautiful.
1: Any Megan, <laughs> you're from Morency. Any cow tipping? No. No? Okay. We always ask our guests that. No <laughs> cow tipping. Well, Megan's gonna have the winters. I'll take the summers, Rachel. What do you want?
0: Um, I will take the summers, yes.
1: Okay, all right. Yes, please. I'll take the falls. Then. I
0: do like the winter because I grew up all in right. Texas, so we never like had snow, except I mean if we did it was melted by the time you could yeah. wake up in the morning. But so I do like the snow and I know exactly what you're talking about with the trees. Isn't it gorgeous? And it's the have best. you ever seen it when it's still it's like dawn, the lights just Santa coming up? I know yes. and <laughs> and it's ice instead of snow on the tree yes. branches and they're like sparkling it's and my thought, favorite Does someone i love put it? christmas lights up all the way up and down south hillsdale road from ohio to michigan oh my goodness no it was just beautiful
1: <laughs> and all the while i'm saying i hate this i hate this i hate this <laughs> all right well to each their own right that's yeah. what makes your rural life experience great so thanks for joining us again today Megan. we appreciate it thank you next time on rural health rising we'll have another great conversation with a great guest so be sure to tune in
0: as a reminder, we are collecting patient testimonials to be featured during our Voice of the Patient segment. If you have an experience to share about the positive impact you or your loved one has had as a patient at a rural hospital or health care provider, call our direct-to-voicemail line at 269-447-1265 or email marketing at hillsdalehospital.com and share your story with us. You just might be featured on a future episode.
1: And with that, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and tell others why they should subscribe, too. Your feedback helps more listeners find Rural Health Rising. You can also find us now on Twitter. I'm at HillsdaleCEOJJ. Rachel is at Rule HealthRach. And you can also follow the podcast at RuralHealthPod. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay strong.
0: Rural Health Rising is a production of Hillsdale Hospital in Hillsdale, Michigan, hosted by J.J. Hodshire and Rachel Lott. Audio engineering and original music by Kenji Ulmer. Special thanks to today's guest, Megan Campbell, Chief Nursing Officer for Hillsdale Hospital. For more interviews like this and more information, or to share your patient or family testimonial with us, visit ruralhealthrising.com.